The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. This evening, God's people gather to enter into the three sacred days of Holy Week, the Triduum. Tonight does not end with a benediction. For Thursday night, Friday night, and Easter Sunday morning form a whole, three parts to one continuous worship service. The heart of the gospel is wrapped up in Jesus' pilgrimage from betrayal to the cross to Easter glory. May we continue in an attitude of watching and praying with Christ throughout these three days. Let us pray. On this day, Christ, the Lamb of God, gave himself into the hands of those who would slay him. On this day, Christ gathered with his disciples in the upper room. On this day, Christ took a towel and washed his disciples' feet, giving us an example that we should do to others as he has done to us. On this day, Christ our God gave us this holy feast. On this day, Christ shared this feast with those who would betray him and flee from him and who would deny that they ever knew him. The words of Scripture call us to worship. On the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Where do you want us to make the preparations for you to eat the Passover? And Jesus said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, 
The teacher says, my time is near. I will keep the Passover at your home with, with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover meal. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are those who take refuge in him. And so let us stand and praise God together in song. Praise the one who pierced the darkness with a liberating light. Praise the one who frees the prisoner, turning blindness into sight. Praise the
please be seated as we continue in worship. Our evening psalm is Psalm 23.
join me for our call to confession. When it was evening, Jesus took his place with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. And they became greatly distressed and began to say to Jesus one after another, surely not I, Lord. Jesus answered, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes, as it is written of him. But woe to that one by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that one not to have been born. Judas, who betrayed him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. Jesus replied to Judas, You have said so. Then Jesus said to all of the disciples, You will all become deserters because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Though all become deserters because of you, I will never desert you. Jesus spoke to Peter, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said, Even though I must die, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, like Judas, we have betrayed you. Like Peter, we have denied you. And like the other disciples, we have forsaken you. Yet you remain faithful to us unto death, even death on a cross. We plead for your forgiveness and mercy. And we ask that you strengthen us so that we do not turn aside but follow you to the very end, for the final victory belongs to you. Amen. Let us now take a minute for personal silent confession. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Amen. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and agitated. Then he said to them, I am deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here and stay awake with me. 
And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. Then Jesus came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So you could not stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again he went away for the second time and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass, until I drink it, your will be done. Again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, 
saying the same words. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Two weeks ago at the women's retreat, one of the free time activities that was offered as an option was a painting class. Now, my ability at art is so poor that even if I draw stick figures, you probably would not recognize what I was trying to convey to you. So I did not have a whole lot of hope that I would do well at this, but I decided to try it. Um, Darlene Cornelison led the class, and she had two yellow pairs. She had taken a photo of these two yellow pairs, and she gave each one of us, quite a few of us were doing it, gave each one of us a copy of the photo. Um, fortunately, she had also drawn the pairs on a piece of paper, so you know we weren't going to completely go wrong. There was at least some hope that it would look something like pears when we were done. Um, but what she asked us to do first was to look at the color of the yellow pears. Well, yes, there was yellow on the pears, but there was also green. There was a lot of orange, and there was brown, and there was even a little bit of white. And so she suggested that what we do is use the paints and try to copy the colors we saw on the photo of the the actual pairs in the right places on our diagram that she had given us. And the amazing thing is that everybody pretty much looked like pears when we were done, even with all those colors. For me, what it ended up being was an experience in seeing differently. Uh, I realized after I tried to do it and figure out what color is that there and how orange is it and how brown it, that then it made me start looking at other things a little more in terms of what are the colors exactly in that shirt? And what, where are the shadows? I began to notice things that even though I'd seen them a million times before, I'd really not seen in the same way as I saw them then. Last Saturday, some of us had the opportunity to do some seeing differently, too. Uh, we went to a church that has a display of contemporary art inspired by ancient icons. Uh, they are made by a Russian woman who is a Christian woman, and she has, con uh, she has depicted mostly Jesus in these icons, um, and they are largely of the cross or the crown of thorns or eyes. There are eyes in at least a dozen of them. We sat in the sanctuary at a church up in Orange, and there were about a hundred of these icons around us, many of them floor to ceiling, huge, and many of these with eyes. And the eyes followed you as you moved through the room. So if you were here, it looked like they were, but if you were there, they still seemed to follow you. The eyes seemed to be looking at you and loving you. They weren't eyes of judgment at all. The author wrote a bit about why she did that. She said that, that the icons are about being known and about being seen and being loved by God. It's an experience in seeing 
differently and understanding through what we saw things that we probably couldn't have understood just by words. I went again yesterday, by the way. If you would like to go see it, we've given you the information on the back of the bulletin. It's a church way up in Orange, and the last time that the display is there is Saturday afternoon from 1 to 4. I know a bunch of people who are going to go. I highly recommend it. In the middle of these worship services of Thursday night, Friday night, getting ready for Easter Sunday morning, Saturday afternoon, spending half an hour being loved by God through the eyes of these icons could be a wonderful way to prepare for Easter Sunday morning. Tonight with the disciples, we see Jesus as we've never seen him before. From the upstairs room in Jerusalem, stuffy with the smell of lamb, bitter herbs, sweaty bodies, 11 disciples and Jesus make their way out into the night, a little bit up the hill into a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. The disciples know Jesus so well. They've heard him teach. They have grilled him with questions along the way. They've wondered at his miracles, at his compassion, at the way he includes people who are just so very on the margins. They've talked with him around the cooking fire. They've laughed with him. They've walked hundreds and hundreds of miles with him. And so together with him, they've been hungry and thirsty and tired and sweaty. For three years, they've shared life with him, and they know the humanity of Jesus more than anybody else ever would because they've shared that, that with him. But even they will see him tonight as they have never seen him before. As they arrive at the olive grove in Gethsemane, Jesus leaves most of the disciples at the gate, and he takes three of them further into the night with him, Peter, James, and John, the three that seem to probably have been his best friends amongst the disciples. We have seen them at other times with him when the others were not. The same three who went up a different mountain with him and watched in amazement as Moses appeared on one side of him and Elijah on the other side of him. And as Jesus was transfigured, shining with the glory of God, a glimpse of his divinity, and they'll never forget it, seeing him that way. Now they watch in amazement again as he is transfigured but this time as he is transfigured in agony, not in glory. Up to this point, the, the disciples, and we for that matter, have always seen Jesus in control. In every crisis, he seemed to have the right word, the right story, the right action. You know, he could even produce food for thousands. He could still a storm. We've seen him pray before to the Father, and he's taught us to pray. We've never seen him pray like this before. Because now Jesus seems to be falling apart. 
he's anxious and he's agitated. And he's warning the disciples that they're going to collapse too. Somewhere along the years, I don't know how I got the crazy idea that suffering was easy for Jesus. That somehow, because he was not only human, but that he was also God, that there was something about that that buffered the pain of human life, the, the normal experiences, that he could go through what we go through and it would be more like a, a stage fight that looks like it hurts, but it didn't really hurt him. That, so Jesus, as a carpenter, if he hit at a nail and missed it and hit his thumb, it wouldn't really hurt, not like it would hurt if you or I did it. That the torture and desertion and the humiliation of tonight would bounce off of him, sort of like a man of steel, not like a regular person. And that knowing that he would come through in a resurrection, that six hours or so of torture on the cross is not that bad to have to bear. As though he was human, but hmm, not really. And as though as he got to the events of tonight, been following the program of what came next and this was just the next thing that he needed to do that it was sort of turnkey for Jesus that there was no question about what he would do tonight if you find yourself thinking that way about Jesus this is the story for you because that's not the way we see Jesus tonight we see Jesus in all of his humanness and in agony about what is ahead for him. The gospel writers could have so easily left this out, but three of them include it. They clearly think it's important for us because they knew that seeing Jesus like this in Gethsemane, we'd never see him quite the same again after this night. They want to be sure that we know that Jesus' suffering is no charade. There is no buffering. For Jesus being fully human meant enduring at least as much as we, the pain and the shame that is ahead of him tonight. We've seen Jesus weep at the death of a friend We've seen him weep over Jerusalem, but we have not seen weeping like this from Jesus. He is so deeply troubled that he shudders in agony. He's overcome with the horror that is before him. It's maybe the most intimate portrait that we have of Jesus, of what seems to be a conflict between the human part of him and the divine part of him wrestling between the two parts of his nature tonight. Tonight, the human part pleads with the Father for rescue. Let this cup pass from me. Anybody would, anybody would recoil from the sheer physical horror 
of the crucifixion that was in front of him tonight. And all that is human in Jesus dreads it too. He has seen people crucified. He knows the torment. And his skin crawls and his stomach turns just to think about it. Let this pass from me. But Jesus' struggle is not just pure physical pain as it probably would be for us. There's spiritual darkness ahead of him tonight too. All the powers of evil will be turned loose against him and he will go down into the darker, darkness deeper than anyone ever had or ever will to the place where the evil powers of the world could and would do their worst to him. And he will be forsaken by his father bad enough that the disciples are going to run away. But my God, my God, you? You're leaving too? The father will turn his face away? The agony of Jesus to be separated from his father. Clearly, we don't understand when we talk about the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit being one, how Jesus could be torn from his Father this night. The Old Testament prophets, when, he, when they talked about a cup, talked about the cup of God's judgment. The cup that Jesus is talking about tonight is the cup of God's judgment against all evil, against all that destroys and defaces the world that God has made and that God loves. Jesus would not only be forsaken by the Father, but he would stand before the Father bearing the judgment of not just what you and I have done, but of all the evil and brokenness of human history, all the hatred, all the atrocities, all the infidelities, all the betrayals. Let this poison cup pass from me. Some think, and I would tend to agree with them, the part of what Jesus was recoiling against was not only drinking the cup, but that he also feared that the cup might not pass away even after he drank it. That he might forever be in the darkness, in God's judgment. That he might never be resurrected and reunited with his father. Let this cup pass from me. Jesus pleads from an, for an alternative plan. Is there any other way? Could it possibly be that he has misread the plan? Could it possibly be like when Abraham was about to sacrifice his son Isaac and God provided a ram in the bushes, he provided an alternative 
Could it be that God is going to do something like that tonight? And that Jesus really won't have to go through with it. Perhaps Jesus' human side is also hearing tonight in the garden the voice of the tempter that he heard some years ago in the wilderness. That voice that tried to get him to use his power to turn stones into bread, to use his power to jump for the kingdoms of this world, to have them now. Because all along, Jesus has that power, you know. The power to get himself out of this. The power to get out of there in a much less painful way. All it would take is a word. And he could have thousands of angels right there to rescue him, to fight against his enemies, and to save him. It is a real option for Jesus tonight, you know. It is a real choice. I started thinking, what would have happened if Jesus had bailed? If he had called those angels to come and to rescue him? We'd remember him for, as a great teacher. Uh, we would remember him as a kind man, as probably a good example for everybody. But evil would be left to run rampant. There would be no forgiveness. There would be no reconciliation with God. There would be no hope for this life or the life to come. But Jesus doesn't bail. After probably what was hours and hours of prayer, Jesus chooses not what the evil one tempts him to, not what his human nature would love to see happen. He chooses instead what his divine self wants, what the Father wants. Tonight, Jesus chooses his destiny, and he chooses ours. Jesus reaches out into the darkness and embraces the poisoned cup. Let us pray. Oh, Jesus, our dear friend, we watch as you allow yourself to be betrayed into the agony of this night. O oh, suffering Jesus, Son of the Father, born of Mary, eternal word of God, we worship you. Amen. We bring to the Lord our Maundy Thursday offering.
Let us pray. God of grace, we respond to the gift of your grace tonight in the presentation of these offerings. We bring a portion of ourselves to dedicate them to you and for the work of your kingdom through your church. We bring with us into a sanctuary tonight many deep concerns and prayers for loved ones, for brothers and sisters, for, for children and parents, for friends. We bring with us great concern for the evil in our world, for the suffering in our world, whether it's in the Middle East and in Syria or in Belgium or France or the United States. We bring our world with us tonight to this place, to this moment. We come remembering that you heard your people's cries in Egypt. You sent your servant Moses to deliver. And he led them out of bondage toward the freedom of the promised land. On this Passover evening, in this meal that we eat together, we remember your mighty acts in saving us in Jesus Christ and teaching us the depths of the meaning of your love, of how much you love us, and of the great commandment that we love one another as you have loved us. Bless our giving. And touch the world through the witness, the word, the works of your people. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. This Passover evening, we remember that Israel gathered around their tables as families to eat a special meal. And each of the elements of the Passover meal was to be a reminder of what God had done in delivering his people from Egyptian slavery. And so the people of God gathered in Jerusalem to eat, and Jesus with his disciples all was prepared in the upper room. And Jesus said people will come from east and west and north and south and sit at table in the kingdom of God. We are the people who have come from many different places tonight. We come because we have come to know the love of God in the face of Jesus Christ and his eyes have found each one of us and drawn us to himself for the sake of our healing, for the empowering of our seeing the world as he sees it through his eyes of compassion. We offer up our thanksgiving tonight for all of good, God's good gifts. Let us pray. You are, O oh God, the good shepherd who leads your people along still waters, You've sent your Son, Jesus Christ, into the world as the Lamb who redeems your people from their sin. You've given your beloved Son for our salvation, delivering us by his death into your grace and mercy. He has become the light that illumines the darkness. 
allowing us to learn what is pleasing in your sight, reminding us each day of your love and faithfulness. Remembering your grace towards us, we take this bread and wine from among your gifts of your creation as signs of your saving grace to us in Christ. And we offer ourselves as a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving as we proclaim his death. Pour out your spirit upon us and upon your gift of bread and wine, that they may be for us the body and blood of Christ, and that we may truly be his body in the world for which he lived and died and still lives today. By your spirit, unite us both with the living Christ and with your people, that we may offer the hope that has come to us in Christ, the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body. Take, eat. Likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant, sealed in my blood. Eat and drink with me tonight. Jesus offers the invitation. I will not eat of this bread or drink from this cup until the fullness of the kingdom of God comes in the great messianic feast of the people of God. This evening, our ushers will bring you a road of time. We invite you to take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup and commune, return to your seats prayerfully down the side aisles, and remain in prayer until we have all been served as God's people. Let us worship the Lord. Elders?
Then Jesus came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. At once he came up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you are here to do.
Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and arrested him. Suddenly, one of those with Jesus put his hand on his sword, drew it, and struck the slave of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father, and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled, which say that it must happen in this way? At that hour, Jesus said to to the crowds, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as though I were a bandit? Day after day, I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not arrest me. But all this has taken place so that the scriptures of the prophets may be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. <clears throat> 